Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. From London, I'm Rochelle Travers and this is The Standard. The Rugby World Cup semi-finals 2023 are upon us. Just four countries remain, New Zealand, Argentina, South Africa and England. Now yes, the favourites are the title holders South Africa, but if this tournament has taught us anything, it's that you can't rule anything out. Kevin Simfield, England defence coach, says his team are fully aware of the difficult task ahead when they face the Springboks on Saturday. We knew whoever we met at this point um, be a tough challenge, especially with the draw. It was either the, the horse or the current holders and um, we have the utmost respect for them. We think they are a, a nation that play the best rugby and play some great rugby and, and they know what they're about and they don't shy away from it and we look forward to the test at, at weekend. Joining me now from the tournament in France is Nick Perrault, the Standards Rugby Correspondent. Nick, it's semi-finals time. What would you say are the current power rankings of the teams still left in the tournament? This is a great question, isn't it? Because I think before the quarterfinal weekend, if we'd been talking power rankings, we'd been we'd be looking at world rugby's world rankings, and Ireland were number one, and they were obviously one of the very top favourites for the tournament. But then they couldn't get past New Zealand, who haven't had a good year really by by their standards, but they've pulled themselves back together. And so New Zealand were able to get past Ireland one way or another. And then a, a very similar thing happened with with France, who they were one of the favourites for the tournament. They were hotly tipped to to win their first World Cup on home soil, especially being hosts. But then they they bombed out as well. They lost out. They lost by a point to South Africa, and, and uh, South Africa is the defending champions. So I'd say, as we are now, you'd put South Africa as number one, um, New Zealand num- number two, England number three, and Argentina number four. So certainly on, on paper alone, you'd be looking at potentially a, a New Zealand South Africa final. But this World Cup's already shown that um, matches aren't won and lost on on paper or on reputation or ranking. So um, all the four teams in the, left in the tournament will have a lot of confidence that they can get through to the final. But it'll be fascinating to see what happens come the weekend. England are now the only team left from Europe to make it through to the semis, and pretty much the underdogs going into the game against South Africa. What will they need to do to secure a place in the final? What they need really is certainly their best performance since they beat New Zealand at the semi-final stage in the 2019 World Cup. And really, they'll probably need to play better than that. And that victory then was has already gone down as one of England's greatest ever. So we're not potentially talking about England's best ever performance, but not far off it. In terms of 
uh, enormity of the occasion and what it meant for legacy moving forward. Obviously, winning the World Cup in 2003 will will continue to top uh, the list of England victories for some time to come, certainly at least until that's equaled um, or potentially bettered. But yeah, if you were to put that New Zealand semi-final victory from 2019 in at least the top five, probably the top three, then that's kind of the context we're looking at now where England pretty much have got to produce as close to a perfect game as is possible to go and beat a South Africa team that just have threats all over the field, really. They're a very, very difficult team to beat and they're a very, very dangerous team as well. Now, there's a lot of talk about just how good this South Africa team actually are. Do you think they're even better than the 2019 team that won the last Rugby World Cup? I think they are. And I think one one of the reasons why is because they've had to, in the last year, expand their game. Um, their director of rugby, Rassi Erasmus, was talking this week about they lost to France in Marseille in, in November and they were slightly frustrated with the result, not uh, not with anything around it, but just in terms of the fact that France found a way to nullify South Africa's biggest weapons. So the scrum, the line out, the set piece elements, the driving wall, those sorts of things. And France did that by kicking extremely deep and pinning South Africa back. And they managed to find a way to stop the game breaking up for for scrums to happen, which is one of uh, South Africa's strongest weapons. And they can win a lot of penalties from the scrum and they can gain a lot of field position and dominance off the back of that or just score points from the penalties themselves if they're in range, in kicking range. France found a way to to kind of take that out of the equation. So opened up the game and, and forced South Africa to play wider, more expansively than they would have liked to. And France came away with a win. It was tight, but it was... a you know, a momentous win, really. And that's one of the reasons why France have been given so much chance of winning this tournament. Obviously, South Africa found a way to get around that just about this time around with their 29-28 win in the quarterfinals. And yeah, that's that's the way in which, though, that South Africa have expanded their game because beforehand they would have just stuck to their pillars of set piece and, and power rugby because they're probably the most physical team in the world. But since then, they've, they've expanded and they've played wider, played faster, played more attacking rugby. And they have some fantastic threats out wide in guys like Kurtley, Lorenzo and Ches and Colby, the wingers, you know, so they now they blend power, pace, accuracy, physicality with phenomenal finishing. So really at the moment, it feels like the all-court team. Which players for England do you think will be key when it comes to tactics for such a difficult game like this one on Saturday? I think it always sort of rests on Owen Farrell, really, when we come to these big moments. Uh, for some reason, some fans still aren't his biggest fan in some respects and potentially think he's a bit too prosaic in terms of the way he plays the game. But where England are for having sacked Eddie Jones in, in December and replaced him with Steve Borthwick. They were so far away, really, from where they needed to be to be competitive in this World Cup. And it's to Borthwick's great credit that he's managed to produce a team in 10 months in charge that could actually um, get to the stage of the tournament. England have had a very easy draw, but they did have to win two difficult games against Argentina and Fiji in the quarterfinals. And they did both of those things. They do know that it steps up a huge level again now. And captain Owen Farrell, the Saracens, talisman will be absolutely crucial in that. He's the fly half. He pilots the team around the field. Um, he's in total control of, of everything that happens if it goes well. And so he'll be key. And then really it's the forwards as well as a collective, all eight forwards in the pack, because you have to meet South Africa's physicality and you have to, uh, England will have to get on the front foot in terms of the advantage line going on in the breakdown, the tackle area. And, and that will be a whole pack effort really so there's obviously a lot of individuals within that somebody like Mara Otoje who also plays for Saracens he's back to his best form he's he's getting there right back to his best after a, few, a bit of a difficult sort of 18 months so he'll be somebody they'll lean on heavily uh, to set the turn up front as well. 
And finally, how optimistic are you about England's chances going into the weekend? I think England have more chance than a lot of people are are giving them. Um, South Africa are are favourites, that's absolutely clear. But in a match like this, and with the way that England have approached these games, then they absolutely have a chance of victory. And the reason is because the, the rugby they play is very structured. And if they can get certain, you know, three or four key um, elements of their game in order, then they'll always give themselves a chance in big matches like this. And in a weird kind of way, England almost, with the players they have and the game plan they have, they, it's almost suited better to playing the best teams. So uh, it'll be fascinating to see because they certainly haven't played anybody of South Africa's calibre in this tournament. And, and they've been clear about that themselves as well. So so they understand the size of the of the challenge, but they're, they're, they're obviously very bullish about, about, uh, about their chances of, of coming through. I would say, I mean, you have to put South Africa in as favourites. They're one of the best teams of, of the modern era of rugby. Um, it certainly needs uh, levels to which this team hasn't gone before, but it would be foolish to, to write them off at this point. Let's go to the ads. Stay there to hear insight from the Evening Standards Rugby Podcast with Lawrence Alalio, looking ahead to the semi-finals. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Welcome back. The following is a clip taken from the Evening Standards Rugby Podcast with Lawrence Delalio. This week, they're joined by Irish rugby legend Brian O'Driscoll as they look ahead to the semi-finals in Paris. You can listen to the full episode by clicking on the link in the show notes. On Saturday night, England come up against the juggernaut and current champion South Africa. Now, I think if all of us had been told at the start of the tournament that uh, England would be the only Northern Hemisphere team to make it through to the semi-final stage uh, and actually still haven't lost a game. You might have raised a few eyebrows, but uh, they've come home for a lot of criticism. Steve Borthwick is, uh, you know, was adamant in his post-match press conference that, uh, you know, people have written us off. He said, no, Steve, your performances before the tournament wrote you off. You lost three out of four warm-up games. Your captain and number eight were banned for three weeks. You know, you've got two players in the starting lineup that weren't even in the squad. I mean, they've defied all of that. And somehow, Brian, they're there. I mean, clearly the Fiji match was probably their best performance of the tournament. Would you agree? I think, okay, the rugby mightn't have been brilliant against Argentina, but what they had to do in that game defensively, bring crazy physicality, manage the scoreboard, I thought, you know, from a strategy point of view and a control point of view, that was very impressive. They played much better rugby um, this weekend against Fiji. It was brilliant to see the way they started. 
And I think we got a sense that, that you know, England, a bit like the All Blacks, are, are rarely a, a poor rugby team, right? They have great quality players. It's just always going to be a case of trying to knit them together. And I, I have to say, I did really like the selection at, at 10 and full back. I think for me, you always want Owen Farrell in your team, having spent some time with him as a young guy and watched him develop and grow. And so I think he's a bit like Johnny Sexton, where he inspires better performances around him and, and expects very high standards. And then when you've got the X factor that hasn't quite fit at 10, we'll try him out at, at 15. And I think it's the braver way to go and, and attack this tournament. I hope that they don't revert back to you know, expecting to be diffusing a lot of bombs. And so as a result, Freddie Stewart finds himself back in at 15, horses for courses, because I think they have to think all out attack against these Springboks. You're not going to win an arm wrestle against them. I don't think there's the personnel in this English lineup to take them on physically the way you would ordinarily expect an England team to do so. Of course, they have to be confrontational, but I think they've got to think their way around this blitz defence. They've got to be very good tactically kicking and then be very accurate in defence. Again, strong favourites in South Africa, but if you're in a semi-final, you're not there to roll over. And if they can make themselves very hard to break down, They've got a good goal kicker. They've got a good set piece. They can cause South Africa some problems. They have to be brave, though. You have to be brave. Don't go into yourself. Don't go go and revert back to type a little bit. I think go out and fire some shots. And if you get beaten, so be it. But don't go down in an arm wrestle by 15 or 20 points. I prefer to see that by expressing yourselves and trying to get the ball to width and really create concern for the South African defence. Do you keep Smith at fullback, Lawrence? Oh, no way. No? No, I don't, not for me. I mean, listen, I thought it was a brave decision. I love what they do. It gives them that attacking impetus. But I saw Marcus Smith after the game. I mean, I think that modelling contract's over now. So it's <laughs> a bit, bit better. I mean, yeah, I mean, right. they, Doing something extra. They were, they were absolutely... They were both hats in the lips, did he? <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what. He, <laughs> I could he, do some of that. Poor lad, was, he was brave because he got bumped a couple of times, semi-randranger. He was black and blue. He'd be a very sore boy. I mean, look, you could pick him. And, and as Brian said, let's... You know, don't go out with a whimper because if you try and take South Africa on in an arm wrestle, I don't think England have enough big men and enough power to do that. They've got to be smarter. And they've got to think a bit more differently. And, uh, you know, Smith offered them something that we haven't seen yet in this tournament. OK, Brian, before we say goodbye then, um, the winners of the semis for you and then who lifts the cup? Yeah, I, I don't think anything really changes in that. You know, I, I certainly I felt at the start of the tournament that the, the likely winners and probably the likely finalists were going to come from, you know, pool A and B from our side of the draw. And I don't think anything changes there. I just can't see how this Argentina team will have enough firepower to take on the All Blacks. And then South Africa, I think it will take an incredibly good team to beat South Africa. I find them as the favourites for the tournament still, particularly on the back of what they did to the All Blacks and the scar tissue that must remain from that game in Twickenham only six, seven weeks ago. So for me, if you beat the Springboks, you're going to win the World Cup. Listen, thanks very much. We will wait with bated breath for Saturday's game and keep everything crossed that England can pull off a performance of a lifetime and seal a place in the final. Wouldn't that be just amazing? Don't forget to follow the Evening Standards Rugby Podcast with Lawrence Delalio for the best rugby insight, analysis and interviews. And that's it from this episode. The Standard Podcast will be back on Monday at 4pm.
Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.